Welcome back to Microfamous. And whenever I hear somebody talk about partnership, my ears always perk up. Not because I'm a big believer in partnerships, as you're about to see. It's because I'm listening for the real reasons they want to bring on a partner. And most of the time I hear things like, well, we'd have a lot of fun building something together, or we have complementary skill sets, or we have similar audiences. And with podcasting specifically, there's this one. We want to start a podcast together, so we need a way to monetize it. And there's nothing wrong with any of those impulses. I started my first podcast with a partner, and we weren't sure how to monetize it. And now we make six figures a year off the back of that podcast. But partnerships are tough to sustain over the long run. It's really hard for two partners to put in the same amount of effort, energy, and focus into a project over the course of years and years. At some point, one partner or the other is going to feel like they're putting in more of the effort. Sometimes even both partners feel this way, which is always a bad sign. Uh, that's why in partnerships like law firms, which has you know long histories of, of partnerships, all the profit goes into a pie. And then that pie is split along the lines of things like seniority or billable hours or usually some combination of those two things. So that helps give everyone the impression that the pie is fairly divided because at the end of the day, dividing the pie fairly is really hard, even for firms who have decades of experience doing this. So in one of my favorite books of all times called Managing the Professional Service Firm, consulting legend David Maester devotes 50 pages at the back of that book to partnership issues. And it's all the nitty gritty stuff that people don't think about until they're already in a partnership. So let me give you some examples of things that Maester covers in the book. Partner performance counseling, like year-end appraisals, self-evaluations and feedback. Partner compensation, like we talked about, billboard hours, seniority, rainmaker versus operations activities, stuff like that. Then you have strategic decision-making, goal-setting, making sure that incentives are aligned with strategy. And then finally, you just have partner relationships. You have different archetypes of partners. You have different types of partners like managing versus non-managing. You have division of powers and responsibilities. That was just in the back of one of his books. <laughs> in other words, making a partnership work, especially long-term, it's complicated. In fact, Maester said in one of his other books, he said it was fairly common for a firm like a law firm to bring him in for consulting. And the result was that one or more of the partners left the business, uh, which is crazy. Um, one of my clients likes to say that having a business partner is like getting married, except you don't get to make out with them. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of potential for friction in a partnership. So I wanted to give you three questions to help you make good decisions on partnerships. And this could be either in your core business, in uh, like a side project that might turn permanent, or even just something of like a podcast, like some, you know, some sort of marketing vehicle to promote your business where you're thinking of bringing on a partner to make that marketing vehicle like a podcast more effective and more popular. So here's the first question. Do I really have to give up equity to build this business? I'm betting you can probably hire whatever skill set that you need. And whatever skill set you can't hire, you could probably get that into your business with things like joint ventures, rev share agreements, commission with a pre-agreed cap, you know, those types of things, obviously making sure to get all those things in writing. But the point is to ask yourself the question and be really honest with yourself. Do I actually have to give up equity or ownership to move this project forward just because someone has a complementary skill set? Here's the second question. Could I pay for the skills and the expertise instead of partnering? Partners are permanent, so make sure that their skills are permanently needed. Chances are you only need a skill set for a short time. Think about Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. One was the visionary, the marketing genius. The other was the tech genius that actually made the stuff work in real life. And at first, they needed each other, right? Apple didn't get off the ground without both of them. But even the tech genius was a skill that could eventually be hired out. Steve Wozniak was crucial in the early days, 
but it was Jobs' drive and vision that made Apple a trillion-dollar company. And Steve Jobs was able to hire teams and teams of genius engineers later on to build the stuff that he dreamt up. So even you know a trillion-dollar market cap company, maybe to get off the ground, needed that partner. But chances are, over time, those skills are not permanently needed and can eventually be hired out. So keep that in mind. Could you pay for the skills and the expertise now instead of partnering up? And here's the final question. Could I create a sense of mission and camaraderie within my own team instead of with partners? I think one of the reasons that people look for partners is that entrepreneurship is just lonely. Part of the draw is a sense of community and the sense of shared mission that you get from building something together with somebody else. And to me, you can still have that without giving up equity. You can look for ways to create that sense of community and shared mission by building a team of contractors or employees underneath you. And you get them fired up about your mission, get them fired up about their role in creating a new future for themselves and for others and, and the impact that you're going to make through the business and all that stuff. If you can get a partner fired up, I guarantee you can get someone that you're paying fired up. So ask those three questions because everything that's truly valuable to others takes energy, effort, and focus to get off the ground and to make it succeed. And in some cases, partnerships can be greater than the sum of its parts and they can produce amazing things with less effort. Yet I've noticed that a major allure, part, a huge part of the draw of partnership is kind of this little built-in assumption that if I partner up, it's going to take less effort, energy, and focus to succeed. And to me, that's a really dangerous assumption to start with. So when a partnership opportunity presents itself, just take a minute, step back, ask those few questions. It might help you stay focused on the areas where you can make the most impact and reap the most rewards. Now, if you're thinking about starting a podcast for any reason, whether you have a partner or not, uh, and you want to run through your idea, see what kind of niche it falls into. Is that a fast growing niche? Does that brand podcast brand have potential to grow and reach an audience and all that fun stuff? You can just grab a, a time on our calendar for a brainstorm call. We'll chat through all that stuff. We'll explain how our service works and see if we're a good fit to work together because that's what our agency does is we produce podcasts. It's 100% done for you, even including the guest booking. So check that out. And thanks so much for listening, by the way. I know this is a little off topic but it's something that's been on my mind lately. And I'll take any excuse to talk about uh, David Maser's book, Managing the Professional Service Firm. So with that being said, I appreciate you listening. Appreciate when you leave a review for the show. That's always a great way to thank a podcaster for all their hard work. And we'll see you on the next episode.